Hello and welcome to Town Topics. I'm Sean Neville, WCTV Executive Director, and substance abuse is a huge problem, uh, not just here in Wilmington, but across the state and across the country. Here in town, we now have a substance abuse program coordinator. Samantha Reef is our guest this morning. Reef, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. Thanks for coming along. She's alongside Police Chief Michael Bagonis, who obviously is a leading voice in the community on this issue. Chief, thank you for thank coming you on. For having us. Um, uh, Samantha, I, you, you started just, you know, I believe at the end of August or so. Talk to me about this new position and kind of what your responsibilities are. Yeah, so like you said, I've been here for about a month and a half now. Um, responsibilities really focus around substance abuse and mental health um, within the community. Um, a lot of times we're seeing, you know, substance abuse in relationship to mental health and kind of the intertwine of that. And so, you know, whether that's following up after police encounters, whether it's, you know, community members contacting me about something that they see going on. Um, so really just trying to work with the community, putting on, you know, different events within the community. So trying to, you know, make it a community position and pull in as many people as possible. Um, you know, it's not just one person's problem. It's, you know, throughout the town, it's throughout the state, it's a, you know, it's everywhere. Um, and so just trying to build connections and help where we can and, you know, set people up in order to succeed. It sounds like it's not a nine to five job. This is kind of not a lot so of outreach <laughs> when, when you can kind of find and, and you're, you're out kind of seeking people that, that, that need assistance and, and, and then they'll come to you as a point person. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, whether it's the individual themselves, whether it's family members, friends, um, tons of points of contact and everyone's affected. Um, you know, people are affected differently, but it doesn't hardly ever just affect one person. Um, yeah, Chief, this, this has been talked about for a while to get something like this in town. Who was in charge of this before Samantha got here? And then kind of talk about how this position was crafted to come up with. Great, great question. It, it has been something we've been addressing for well over five years. Um, the uh, the initial responsibility, because we were waiting for uh, someone to fill the position that Samantha has uh, right now, uh, has been held by two detectives, John Blossy and Cristindo, uh, uh, primarily, and have done yeoman's work. Um, but we knew we didn't know what we didn't know, and we weren't able to provide the services that we knew that we needed to provide um, from the police department directly as a police officer. So the uh, brainchild was uh, developed to have a program that we would bring somebody, obviously we have Samantha here today, in to assist us with that. And not just address the, the immediate problem of substance abuse or directly mental health with the individuals that was, was suffering from that, but to, to be a resource and a, um, I guess a, a shoulder to lean on for the families who, and we've talked about this in the past, that bear a lot of stress and a lot of um, sometimes, quite frankly, dysfunction within the family unit. Uh, and to be able to bring a voice of reason to them, some resources to them as well, understanding that, from my belief, it's a family disease and that we need to treat the entire family. So um, it's interesting enough when you talk about you know referrals um, from the police department. We've had many, um, but I'm kind of excited because Samantha has had many people call her directly without going through us, and that's kind of where we wanted to be. Wanted to be able to bring that resource directly to people where they, they didn't feel comfortable talking to us and it wasn't something that we were called to address, that they would just call anyway. And I think that's the blessing of, of um, you know, Samantha being so outgoing and having that connection automatically with the community that's really worked for us because people feel comfortable enough just to call. That's great. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I think that's another powerful, you know, position that this position is in is that I'm not 
um, you know, a sworn officer, I'm a civilian working kind of with police, and I think that's a really beautiful role um, and can piggyback, but, you know, just being honest, people respond differently to someone in uniform versus someone just in kind of street clothes. Um, so. And, and I think that's important. I was going to point that out, is that you're, you're based at the police department, but you're not in uniform here on, on desk. You, right. you are someone who is working with the police department. And so can you talk, either one of you, kind of about that relationship between you and the department and how that's going to work going forward when, when someone calls in looking for help yeah. or, or when someone calls 911 because they have a serious issue? Yeah, so to your point before, um, the police department's kind of been the, um, the leading the charge in this epidemic and how we address it. Um, but Samantha does, she might work under the police department and get paid through the police department, but she works with all department heads, elderly services, veteran services, uh, Board of Health, and has had um, case referrals from all of those other agencies as well and works directly with them. So I think the, uh, the blessing of it to, to that end is that, yeah, it's not just the police department. We obviously make a lot of referrals because a lot of times when people are in crisis, it's, they call us to come help. Um, years past, we would just go in and triage it as best we could, understanding more needed to be done. And we'd make some indirect referrals. Here's some numbers to call, and if it was mandated by statute, we'd make a referral. Now, Samantha comes in in the morning, she has an inbox like this full of things that she needs to address during the course of the day. And, and you know, I, I hope we don't burn her out too quick because there's a lot of, a lot of things that we, we need to step up on. How do you how do you how are you going to measure progress on an issue that seemingly is getting worse, and that this is a, a you know a drug problem that is, that is going through communities right now, and and even if you you know potentially hold the line, is is that making progress, or how how are you going to be able to go at the end of a week or a month or a year and say you know we're, we've we've made made some made, made a difference here? I think you're not the only one that's asking that question. <laughs> um, yeah. Tons of people are kind of questioning how do we measure something that. You know, changes based on the day. Um, recovery is not something that, you know, is a linear straight line that, you know, you're sober and that's the end of it. Um, relapse happens if there's mental health, you know, there's ups and downs. Um, so I think just maintaining relationships with people um, in order so that they know we're here when, you know, something is going on or it's not a good day. Um, you know, recognizing that Someone we work with very closely for a few weeks could be someone that we don't work with again for you know a year, but so that we leave those connections open so that down the road we can kind of rekindle them, use that rapport um, should something come up again. Because most likely, you know, like I said, stuff cycles and you know life events happen, and it's not really a predictable field to be in. But you know, there's a lot of safety nets in place that I think the town's putting in, into practice, and there's tons of resources out there that are you know, very qualified to help with this. Sure. Interesting. Benchmarks yeah. are hard to measure, yeah. especially in this type of situation because it's so, how do you measure abstinence? You know, so we do have a program to follow up and, and do all of those things. But I guess at the end of the day, it probably more boiled down to a, um, a satisfaction survey on the end. Did this help you? What could we do better and how could that work? And I think that um, it will be successful just on the fact that folks won't be on their island they're going to realize that there's a whole network of people out there that can help them, that have resources to help them, and, and will direct them whatever avenue and, and be there when, when, when they're down and out and they need it the most to make the phone call. And that might not always be a police response. Mm -hmm. That's our hope, is that some of these situations won't require a police response. It'll go more to the social services side because that's where it's appropriate. You know, a response from police could traumatize children in the house, and we recognize that. We want to be careful of how 
all of that plays out in the long run. So, um, you know, more than likely the benchmark will be, did it help? You know? Is 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 this something that um, that other communities are doing that, that you know of, or is this a, a relatively new phenomenon that Wilmington's jumping in on? Yeah, so um, you know, definitely new here in Wilmington in the, just my role, but other communities are doing it. Um, you know, across the state, across the country, it's becoming more popular. You know, whether it's a social worker specifically for substance abuse, or if it's you know um, public health worker, you know, whoever it is, um, more departments are kind of employing clinicians, someone along those lines to address mental health and substance abuse, um, which I think is a great step. And like I said, it's a great partnership between kind of what's seen out on the streets versus, you know, what's seen after the crisis, the kind of long term. Uh, I'm curious, and I'm sure other people are, kind of your your background and how you got involved in something like this. Yeah, so um, I was at another police department prior to starting up here. Um, when I was doing my graduate studies, and so um, I just really enjoyed, you know, kind of the work and the type of setting that it is, and um, so I wound up here. Okay. Um, talk. Uh, there's lots of talk right now in the town about a detox facility, and I, I don't want to rehash that debate because sure. I know you, you, you two aren't aren't taking sides on the current debate that's going on. Uh, but, but Chief, you know, you mentioned at the selectmen's meeting a couple weeks ago um, that there's there's a need for this sort of facility. Um, um, and setting aside location for a second, talk, talk for a bit about why these sorts of facilities are needed and, and what they look like at, from what you've seen. Sure. No, another, another great question because from our perspective, understanding um, the process of, of, of helping people to recover, um, it, it's not linear. It's the difficulty we find and so there's a lot of gaps in treatment and um, we find that having direct access to a detox facility when someone says they're ready, um, because that's not a convenient time, you can't schedule that, it just happens. And I, as I spoke, you know, I've many Friday nights sitting at the desk and the call comes in from a parent that I've, we've spoken to at five o'clock and said, you know, he says he's ready or she says she's ready. And you want to be able to strike while the iron's hot, so to speak, to make sure that they get into services when they're ready. Um, and then make sure that that's fluid so there's no drop in services or gaps in services for a week or two because we find that's when most people overdose. That's when a lot of, we lose a lot of folks in that gap and we, and we recognize that. We're at the, I guess the, uh, we're beholden to the process and the amount of facilities that are available which are limited um, and we want to make sure that we, you know, at some point in time have the ability to cover all those steps all those different steps, you know, so they get medically cleared first at a hospital, then they go into a detox facility depending on what drug that they're on or whether it's drugs or alcohol, and then from there, what's the next step? And making sure that there's no gap, there's no break, there's no, you know, um, going home for three days and waiting for a bed to open up is important to us because that is a critical component to making sure that they, um, you know, give them the best chance of recovery in the process. So. You know, for the town of Wilmington to have that opportunity um, is great. I don't know what the status is or how that works out. Uh, at the end of the day, for our needs, it would be great to have a resource like that where we had a Wilmington bed set up and ready to go. Um, but you know, where the location is, like I said, we don't uh, we don't want to opine on that. But right. it would be really beneficial to us. And you know, I've been doing this for a long time um, without training, without. <laughs> Uh, education specific to 
this. I know what I know because of what I've seen over the years, and I have associations and things like that. Samantha's much better at it because she has a whole list of resources she can go directly to and, and, and talk the talk, so to speak, with them. Um, to have that direct access would be key. Yeah. You know, that's that would be something that we would really uh, benefit from in the community. Samantha, what sort of resources are out there for people? Um, obviously, once they, they call you, it's not just you. There's, there's going to be a whole network of, of services and people kind of behind to, to help get this happen. Yeah, so, you know, it, I think a big variable is where they're at, right? Um, are they currently using, is it more um, mental health related? You know, there are substances involved. Um, if they are using, you know, the first step is they have to be medically cleared. And so, you know, kind of having partners at hospitals, um, you know, partners in detoxes, partners in the next steps. Um, there are some great treatments around the Wilmington area down in Boston um, for mental health. You know, there are kind of inpatient stays, there are clinicians in, you know, different types of programs. And I think what's really important is for people to acknowledge that, you know, everyone's different and everyone's going to need slightly different treatment, um, whether it's, you know, a dual diagnostic, you know, inpatient stay or, you know, kind of a um, you know, high-intensity outpatient, um, you know, you're going every day or a day treatment. Um, really tailoring the program and, you know, the steps to the individual, where they're at, what they need, um, and working, you know, kind of like the chief said earlier, working with the family, working with the people on the outside, because um, you can change the individual as much as you want, kind of in treatment, but if they're going home to the same kind of unchanged, unworked with um, home life, it's very easy to kind of fall back into, you know, those those patterns. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, heroin is the one that everybody's talking about, right? Heroin and prescription painkillers kind of, I think, are, are going hand in hand for a lot of people. Is this position specifically focused on those drugs, or is this kind of the, the broad range of kind of uh, whatever, whatever substance abuse is happening in town? Broad. There's so many different ways to abuse um, substances, and so you know, from you know the, the old school alcohol issues that you know um, we have been dealing with for years and addressing for years, um, and trying to help people over the years to whatever new innovative drug that comes out. We're talking fentanyl and carfentanil now. Uh, gabapentin's another big one that we see the prescribed drug that's like probably. You know, over over diet, over prescribed and and being abused. Um, some of the other drugs that they uh, use to help with addiction, Suboxone and, and, and some so on. They people are finding ways to abuse those as well. So um, yeah, it's very broad and it develops and changes every day. You know, there's uh, so many things that we're learning and we hear from folks that we talk to that we're trying to get help for. Um, that there's so many different ways. A very innovative in how they thwart some of those other things that were, you know, Vivitrol shots, things like that, how they get around those type of uh, treatments mm -hmm. in the process. So it's uh, evolving daily, unfortunately. Okay. Um, as, as we wrap up here, uh, if somebody is looking for help or someone is looking to reach, reach out to you, how do, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, the best way is um, I am located at the police department, so just calling, you know, the non-emergency line and asking, um, whoever answers the phone to send them up to me. Um, they can also stop in, they can send me an email. Um, I would say probably calling would be the best bet. Mm -hmm. um, I do work, you know, predominantly Monday through Friday, um, but like you said earlier, there aren't, it's not, you know, they're not penciled in, they're not penned in at, you know, 8.30 on a Tuesday is when I'm, you know, so 
um, very flexible and try to respond as quickly as possible. Um, okay. And if there is an emergency, always calling 911. Um, mm. That's always the best decision, and I can, you know, I can co-respond um, and assist in kind of that capacity once the emergency has been kind of assessed. Yeah, we're looking to help. We're not looking yeah. to make things worse by adding criminal charges through the process. And m the majority of my police department are actually very, very in tune to the program. And uh, we'll stop with people on the street, have a conversation, we encourage them to get treatment and do all those things. So it's a, it's a paradigm shift from where it was 15, 20 years ago. It really is. And, and the department has bought in um, pretty much uh, in its totality. So, you know, you call, someone's going to try to help you. You know, someone's really going to step up and make a connection, whether it's call Samantha or call John or, or Chris or Brian and have them uh, lend a hand. Uh, you know, we, we want people to call. And it's one of the expectations that I've told my bosses that, you know, we're probably uh, at some point in time be looking to add to folks to the role that Samantha has because it's that pervasive, you know, and we expect to see it will increase before it declines over time. And I think something that Samantha will find out quickly and perhaps you could speak to is that there is a lot of support in the community mm -hmm. for finding the solutions that, that we're all yes. looking for. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Okay. Well, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you for having us. Um, we're going to do a, a hard pivot right now, as, okay. they, as they say, because I usually end these shows with a few quick Lock questions. Yeah. Okay. We didn't tell Samantha we were going to do these here, but before she came before we started recording, I found out that she is a fellow Syracuse alum, and so okay. I'm going to cross off my first question here and say, Samantha, what makes Syracuse so great? Oh, what doesn't make Syracuse <laughs> so great? I'll take that as an answer. You want to expound on it? <laughs> <a little bit? laughs> um, well, they're the Orangemen. They have a great basketball team. Um, some pretty snowy winters. Yes. Yep. We both know that <laughs> very well. Chief, Halloween's coming up. How many times were you a police officer as a kid? I was usually a bad guy, to <laughs> tell you the truth. Yeah, I had the, you know, the old image of the cartoon with the guy with the striped, sh black and white striped shirt with the mask on. Then, yeah. um, no, I don't believe I was ever a police officer. Okay. Well, yeah, I think I was a firefighter quite a few times. I probably should have followed that. There you go. <laughs> and uh, finally, do you still believe in the Patriots this season? Absolutely. <laughs> Always. Always. Okay. Yeah. And Bill, we trust. It's going to happen. It's okay. Chief, Samantha, thank you so much for coming on and talking thank about this important much. issue. I think it's uh, good information to get out to the community. So thanks thank for coming on. Thank you. And thanks so much for watching uh, this edition of Town Topics. You can watch this on our WCTV government channel and anytime online at wctv.org. We'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs>